This is the Behind the Badge podcast with me, Daniel Freeman. And me, James Roberts. Each episode we'll be chatting Oxford United with the names of yesteryear. Whether it be a former player, manager or chairman, our aim will be to listen to their story. Behind the Badge is an unofficial podcast that digs deep into the highs and lows of Oxford United's history. We hope you enjoy it. Well, it's our absolute pleasure to introduce uh, the former Oxford United manager uh, between the years of 2001 and 2004, Ian Atkins, as the as the latest person to speak with us on the Behind the Badge podcast. Ian, thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it. Pleasure. No problem, then. Ian, just a couple of bits before we get on to Oxford United. Um, I mean, let's, let's not forget you had a, a very distinguished playing career. Uh, played at the very, very top. You started at the bottom, started at Shrewsbury, brought yourself all the way up to play for Everton. Um, so uh, just just a quick bit about the playing career. Uh, obviously, we, we, we it speaks for itself in terms of your, of your, as your record. Yeah, I went to fair as a schoolboy. I was at Coventry City like when they were probably in Europe um, and they're probably the biggest club in, in the Midlands at the time. And my father took me out, took me to Shrewsbury uh, and I signed there as an apprentice. So uh, I had a good grounding. At Shrewsbury, I mean, we started, that was in the old Division 4, which is now Division 2. Uh, Alan Durban moulded me into the player, and then Richie Barker gave me a bit of direction um, and organisation. Um, and then Richie left, and Graham turned to go and just carried the can, basically, for the other two. They'd done, it never changed anything, and we got promoted from the fourth to the third. Uh, and then won the um, the third division, then to get into the second, which is now the championship, and when we had gates of four and a half thousand, five thousand, you know what I mean? And it was, uh, that was a terrific achievement by everybody, do you know what I mean? Because it, that that's a, it was a great grounding, especially of, of a club with very little resources. And and, and probably Shrewsbury give me a ma- big percentage of probably what was about in the managerial side as well, do you know what I mean? Of how to, how to live and how to work with no money. And the managers I had there were terrific. So... Shrewsbury was a good grounding down, to be fair. Then I was lucky enough then to go to Sunderland. Um, Sunderland then were in the, the top flight. Um, very lucky to captain them as well and had what, three terrific years there and uh, won every single player of the year. Uh, trophy I could there as well and ended up getting a uh, playing in England testimonial. And then Bobby Robson told me that I was on standby for the World Cup. Um, and that was like a year after you just left Little Shrewsbury Town. So um, that was terrific. And like everything, new managers come in. Uh, Len Ashurst took over from Alan Durban. Um, and we just didn't see eye to eye. Um, and then I'd been out injured for about two months training one day. And uh, Everton came in for me. Everton, Sheffield United. I spoke to Sheffield United on my way to Everton. Uh, but at that time, Everton were top of the league. And the day that I joined, they uh, they went 30-odd games without defeat. So it took me a while to, to actually get in the team there. I was never fit, but just to have like 14 games for them in that year and come away with a championship medal, first division championship medal and play in Europe and win the European uh, Cup and this Cup. Uh, be part of the Wembley occasion as well with Manchester United. It was was fantastic. Charity Shield the year after. Uh, but I was just so frustrated there that uh, it, it was always going to be a difficult one because of you got the two centre halves at a time of Manfield and Ratcliffe, probably the best in the first division. Um, and I played in a variety of positions there, but I just wanted to play on a regular basis. 
um, and Howard Kendall gave me the opportunity. Either I could sign a new contract and have more money, or I could, you, know, I mean, you could if you want to play regular football while I'm standing in your way. Um, and that's what I wanted to do. So uh, then I joined Ipswich, to be fair, which is another fantastic club. But again, it just it was one of those occasions where they had, they had a fantastic team, Tyson, Muren, Marion, our walk. Um, but they'd had the Pioneer stand built. When Bobby was there, Bobby Robson, and fell on hard times financially, and we had to sell virtually all the big players off. So uh, that's probably the, the, the main crux of the playing career before I went, I went to Birmingham then at 31, which... Great club, great to go home, but it was a bit the right club, but just at the wrong time. Financially, we hit the wall and it was all over the place. Yeah, Ian, I was doing a story recently about, uh, I think, former Oxford players and managers to have, uh, to have played in European finals. Obviously, uh, I think you were on the bench, weren't you, for the, the Cup Winners' Cup final? I mean, there aren't many footballers. It's a very small percentage of footballers in the world that have played in a, in a major final like that. What was that like? Honestly, it was incredible, James. I mean, obviously, I've, I've, you're at Sunderland, and I, I loved it. I didn't want to leave Sunderland. Um, as I said before, I'd had a minor injury, and then Asher's coming, got rid of, basically broke up potentially the best side I ever played in, uh, with a lot of people like Bracewell, McCoy, Colin, Colin West, Gary Rowell, Mark Proctor. A lot of he sold everybody off and bought players in that weren't as good as the players that left and then they got relegated that year. So to go to Everton, who then in Europe, and I think they just beat Slovan Bratislava, I think, to get the quarterfinals and um, to get the opportunity to play away at Fortuna Sicard, which I did. And that was my only really involvement in the European. I was on the bench for all the all the games. but And then, obviously, the Olympic Stadium, Bayern Munich, where we played the semifinals. I mean, that was incredible, even just sitting on the bench. Um, to come away with a nil-nil draw and then the Goodison game where we won 3-1 um, to go through to the final against Rapid Vienna. Probably the most charged up atmosphere I've ever been involved in. Um, it, it was just incredible. You know I mean, the crowd participation drove that team through, do you know what I mean? And Howard was, was a genius, Howard Kendall. Genius. But to say, you got to a final, but it was a final to Rapid Vienna. We ended up winning, so... One thing I did do, but I feel a bit like a thief, to be fair, because I come away with a championship medal, a European Cup Winners Cup medal, a Charity Shield Cup, <laughs> Charity Shield medal. So like, I've, uh, I can't complain of my, my stint at Everton. It was just, I just wanted to play football on a regular basis, which I'd done all my life. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't think anyone who's played at that level could ever say they've stolen it. So uh, completely, <laughs> completely merited, I'm sure. And you, you mentioned sort of playing under Howard Kendall. Obviously, Tina's one of the real sort of great managers of that era. Um, I just wonder whether at that point you thought you'd go into management and whether he maybe had any impact on you. I think all the managers that did, probably the most, or, or the two were Alan Durbin and I say Richie Barker. Richie, who uh, took over from Alan and then went with John Barmore to Wolves and then really went with Ron Atkinson, I think, at Sheffield Wednesday and ended up at Luton. His organisation was as good as anybody I'd ever, I'd ever worked with. You know what I mean? And and then I, I was lucky enough to work under Bobby Robs, uh, Bobby Ferguson, who took over from Bobby Robson at Ipswich, and he was a genius as well. He was on, he was on par with Don Howe, at that time. Do you know what I mean? So Howard was a character on his own. I mean, he was bubbly, he was bright, 
it's as though he didn't have a care in the world. And I mean, we always remember just going back to the uh, the Bayern Munich game, to be fair, when we played in the semis and we went one nil down. We went one nil down. So it was one nil at half time and I've gone to the toilets of Goodison and I'm standing there having a tinkle like and Howard comes in next to me like and like I'm looking at him and like I've got like a worried face. I'm thinking I want to go to a final like with a play or not. And he just looked at me out, he went, ah, because he says, Yeah, mind, he said the Gladys Street end us up three in this half. And we did, we won three one. And that was Howard. You know what I mean? He he took the pressure off so many people. He had good players, but he knew how to handle the good players. And one thing with Howard is he knew his best team. And the amount of times that I came in, Alan Harper came in, Kevin Richardson came in, all very, very good players. But we come in, and I remember probably came in in one spell. We won four in the trot. Next week, I was out. Kevin Ratcliffe came back in. And it was the right thing to do because he was a good player, like Derek Manfield. And he knew his best team. And regardless who played, who'd, uh, sorry, who was in, maybe had been injured, whoever came in and did well, oh, he always went back to his best team, regardless who it was. And he, he had such a focus in his mind and he wouldn't change. It was very hard to fall out with Howard because he was so bubbly and bright. But, I mean, it does help when suddenly you, you, I think it was 31 games without defeat in the, in the league. And, like, you know what I mean? You just, you just let the thing flow and, and go. It was incredible. Incredible, man. It must have been a fantastic experience. And if you don't mind me ju- jumping ahead a little bit on that, at what point in your playing career did you kind of start to look towards management? You mentioned about going going back to Birmingham 31, I think you said you were. Yeah, I think I always took, always took an interest in the, in the coaching side, and even from a from a from a really young age. I mean, um, even at Ipswich with Frank Yallop, who's now in America and he's managed Canada and San Jose. I played with. We used to go down over Tuesday, Thursday to the academy at Ipswich and work with the players in the dome at the top. So I've always took a, an interest in that kind of thing as well. Do you know, I mean, on the coaching side. Um, and then obviously as you go on, I did my badges at quite a young age, uh, which was then the A license. I'm picking that up at eight and going all the way through. Um, and just like they said, like the organisation, always felt that you're a bit of a leader as well. So I was captain of every club. Um, I like to be organised. Um, Birmingham was probably the one when I went back as a player. And then I started to do a lot more things, especially a lot with Moore Green, who what is now Solihull Moors. Is uh, I used to do a hell of a lot of stuff for them, and, and the Bob Fulton, who's since passed away at Moor Green, I used to go down there and do maybe a Tuesday and a Thursday, you know, back with the coaching, with the kids as well, the younger ones that they had a youth team, and that youth team then produced like Ian Taylor, uh, David Bust. Do you know what I mean? They, they had some good players and produced good good kids. And it was a good area, and I, I just en- enjoyed the the coaching managerial side and. At Birmingham, I uh, when I went when I yeah when I, when I'd gone back playing, um, I just had a phone call out of the brew from Colchester, and obviously the connections with Ipswich is right down the road. Um, would you want to come and they just got relegated? Would you want to come and be player manager? So I did, um, and I really looked at it then on the same lines as like Ron Atkinson who'd gone to the uh, it was then the Vauxhall Conference. Uh, Dave Bassett, David Pleats, Graham Carr, they'd all learnt their trade there. And then people said to me, well, if you're going to, you want to go into management at that time, if you go into the conference, you can play, you can learn from your mistakes and no one can bother you and you can go on. What really happened then was that when I decided to do that and f- maybe follow their footsteps, the Premier League started. 
and suddenly then from from what happened then how it escalated so quickly um it didn't matter whether you were in the box or conference or not you know what I mean? it was very difficult then to get out of it and jump on so um always been into interested in coaching always like helping people on the one-to-one basis uh always felt we had all the clubs always that we had a decent structure so um it's just something that i'd wanted to do and continue one basically wanted to stay in football because that's what i was that's what you loved you know what i mean that's how i was brought up and i've been lucky i've stayed in it virtually all my life to be fair very lucky Ian, you're you're a player manager at I think three clubs. Um, the the one job before Oxford that I wanted to highlight, to be honest, and the one that I remember you mostly for was obviously at Northampton. You were there for five years. I vividly remember the um, the playoff final at Wembley when John Frayne scored a free kick. Was that it? Um, and um, you know, Northampton were and always have been sort of localish rivals to Oxford, but not the rivals, obviously. So it was quite interesting watching a club up the road at, at a Wembley final, because at that time, Oxford had, you know, hadn't been to Wembley for, for in, in my lifetime anyway. So it was good to see uh, a team not too far away uh, doing well. well. It was, and also it had been a club that over the over the period of time, it had the old county ground, wasn't it, with the, with the cricket, the sloping pitch, the one side everybody used to stand on boxes and, um, obviously, the, the before the cricket played there as well, and uh, I'd been very, very lucky that they didn't get relegated a few times prior to when I actually took over. When I think Mom was Kidderminster, where Kidderminster's ground was not to scratch, um, which meant Northampton couldn't go down. And then I think it was a year prior to me going in, they'd played at Shrewsbury, um, and they were two 0 down at half time. And if they would have lost, they would have got relegated then, and they would have gone then. And they ended up winning three two. Um, then they jumped into the new stadium, which is which is was then how many years ago, fifteen twenty years ago, which is what the stadium is now. It was built by the council, um, and it was a lovely club. And I was given the opportunity there. And one thing was that no one ever bothered me. We were in, we were in administration for one. I always used to deal with the administrator. So what it did do is it, it taught me, and I learned a lot about how to run football clubs as well through the administrator, I'll tell you, I can't remember his name, Barry Ward. Um, and then we had Barry Stone, who was the, the chairman of Northampton. Those are the two I dealt with. I mean, money was so tight, we didn't have any. I mean, you, you couldn't, you, know, you had to ask for a bottle of water. Um, and there was a second from Botman I took over. John, I took over from John Barnwell. Um, and John had brought one or two decent players in, Ray Warburton and Sampson. Just didn't quite happen for him. And then I was given the opportunity. I took over to the end of the season. And we did very, very well with the, the players that we brought in. And I think we finished about sixth from bottom. And then the following year, we, we I think we got to about 10th, 11th. Um, and then we had another good push. And I mean, we gradually just built it as we went on. A lot, as we said, we we had a 25 years at Northampton. It was uh, obviously the Wembley playoff final win a few years ago. And it was Andy Woodman who basically came out and said, really? And we were. We were a bunch of strays. You know I mean, because that was other cost money and you had to pick, you had to go out, you worked hard at going out and watching games. Other people did as well around me. Dennis Casey, who's since passed away. Um, Danny O'Shea, who initially brought in, then Kevin Broadhurst. Uh, we didn't have any scouting. You know what I mean? We couldn't afford it. We used to have to do it ourselves. And But by doing it yourself, you built up your your knowledge and your confidence then in actually 
um, building the team, picking the right people, which recruitment is everything. Don't care what people say. It's next to the manager. The recruitment's bad. Everything's out the window. Um, and we gradually built it up. And obviously, to get to Wembley the first time were in the 100-year history as well of the club uh, was, was absolutely incredible. Uh, and you're right, as you said, with John Frame, we uh, we got to about the 93rd minute and he had a twice-taken free kick, to be fair. Dave Penny broke out the wall, remember, got himself hooked. The referee then moved the ball as well a little bit to the side. I think Freestone was in, Roger Freestone was in goal for Swansea. He was all over the place because the ball had been moved and John bent it into that one corner. So we ended up winning that one nil. So... It was terrific. And then we were lucky enough the following year, we got the Wembley again. Everybody thought we'd get relegated. Didn't really spend a penny, but the organisation of the side was so good. Um, we took people by surprise. And to get to Wembley again the second year was probably a better achievement than getting there the first year. But we got beat by Grimsby 1-0 in the final, 16 minutes away from the championship. But we were still in receivership and administration. So money was really, really tight. Um, and everybody mi- mixed him together, to be fair. A little bit, to be fair, we got that a bit siege mentality, a little bit like we did at Oxford. I was going to say, it does all sound familiar. Uh, we'll move on a bit further into the Oxford stuff in a sec. First of all, though, I mean, you then you had a short spells at Carlisle and Chester. And then when you initially come to Oxford, it's in a director of football role. Mark uh, Mark Wright, I think, had been had a suspension about a, a, a racism claim. There was there was a fair amount going on there. Tell us, take t- t- take us into those first meetings with uh, Mister Kassam. What what was going on there, Ian? They ran me up about first. We're looking for maybe possibly a diet of football. We're not sure how long Mark's going to be. One of these kind of things. Okay, would you be interested? And I, I, my first thing was, oh, I'm not coming in here to be a manager because Mark Wright is the manager and I don't work like that. I'm not that kind of person. No, he'd be coming in, advisory and all that. Great. Okay, no problem. So anyway, I went down to Oxford and met him. The first thing I said was Mark Wright's left. So I'm like, oh, I didn't know what had happened. Like, you know what I mean? And then what I was reading one or two stories, well, Mark's left. I said, yeah, but I'm not. No, Mark has left the club. Will you take it over to the end of the season? Yeah, no problem. But I don't want to know the issues how he's left but he's left the club. That's fine. And that's basically how we started going. And I'd met Firoz and some had gone on at the time because when I met Firoz for the first time, he was white as a ghost. And I think he saw, saw I don't know what it was. And Mark had left that afternoon. But the, the role and position that was offered changed very quickly. But as I said before, that was when Mark then had left the club. But I did stipulate to, to Bill that I was nowhere was I coming out to be a manager if Mark White was still there. I don't mind the advisory, I don't mind looking at recruitment, all this to pull the thing together. I ain't got a problem. But as it was, it turned out then I ended up becoming the manager to the um, basically to the end of the season. I mean, obviously we two or three months in at the new stadium, we were at the bottom uh in the bottom division for the first time in oh gosh, thirty, nearly forty years, I think, at the time. And You've come in, what's presented in front of you? I mean, it seemed at the time that Mark Wright had spent a fair amount of money. I think we spent 150 grand on Sam Stockley, about the same on Paul Moody, getting him back to the club as well. So they'd spent money, but I don't seem to remember you having much to spend at that time. Yeah, at the end, I think Andy Scott was there as well. And and there were several players there. They were selling from bottom of the league at the time. The budget was huge. And I think obviously two years before, probably been the championship, if I remember right, and they had that quick, quick, quick jump down. 
Um, the first year was obviously just, or the first season to the end of the season was just about basically trying to keep the club up. Um, and the, and the, the players did very, very well, even the ones who come in, but there were some big hitters in there. And there was a right, there might have been three or four in there over a hundred thousand pounds a year, which to me was like signing four players at Northampton or whatever it may be on 25,000. So you kept the first, let's say the first season basically was just about keeping the club up. Then it was about then obviously helping Bill Smith and, and Faraz and everything in terms of trying to restructure the thing as well. And we, we knocked an awful lot of money off the wage bill, not just me. This was the way Bill was as well. And to probably the tune of not over about nine hundred thousand pounds going on to a million pound. Um and then trying to build something but with no money. So it wasn't easy. But what I always felt is even going to the Oxfords is that because of what had happened at Northampton, where we we again we didn't have any money, but you had to do all your own recruitment uh, and you relied on good people, only two or three to do it with you. I then took that on two years later into Oxford as well. And I knew players. You, you knew you knew your way around the the first division, the second division. I knew you you managing the first division or the second division. It was Cambridge at the time, but you, I knew the I knew the, the the areas and the parameters, and I knew the players of that division. So then we just basically set about what I felt with the budget then I was given to get the best players I thought possible that would actually take the club to a next step and then probably the next step after is then you're looking then for a bit of a push and, and that's what we did and I think one thing with Oxford it's always got a draw because it's Oxford United I think obviously 10 years prior to that they were in the first division the old first division you'd won the, the league cup as well always felt a little bit like Ipswich when I was playing there and even going back that there was still an awful lot of the supporters of Oxford in my time that still thought they were a first division club. And also I've been to Wembley, you've won the trophy. Fantastic days for the club. But these were different days now. And we were virtually trying to do it with nothing. And you wasn't given anything. And but you always felt like they all you always wanted well a lot of people wanted could you say well I mean like a a, a steak or a, a lamb chop but you, you wanted a steak really like um but with the money we had to, to play with, you know what I mean, what we were given, and we, and we got the best out of it. Um, but it, it, it happened so quickly for Oxford to go from that first division down into the second from bottom of the, the second division as such, and, and obviously winning the cup as well. And I always thought there's a lot of people still hanging on to that. We were never there. So let's be realistic where we are, and let's just get behind it and push it forward as, as quickly and as, as much as we can on limited resources. And that's what we did. Yeah, because you, I mean, you came into a club that had been relegated from what's now the Championship, then just about stayed up in what's now League One, relegated from League One, and then near the bottom of League Two. So that's that's four seasons of of winning very few games. How hard was it to kind of change that around? Because again, without jumping too far ahead, overall across your time, you won more games than you lost. I, I, when, when you go to situations like this, I, 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 when I went to Bristol, I had a similar kind of thing. Is that the, the dropping down and with Oxford, they've had like, you've had four years of maybe five years basically of defeat, defeat, draw, defeat, defeat, and everybody. The mood of the whole place was awful, and 
it's like anything. If, if you've got loads of money to go and spend again, and, and to be fair, I think when Firoz went into Oxford, Joe Kinnear came in, and sometimes I, when I left Northampton, the the, the managers after me were given a fair bit of money to spend. I wasn't, and Joe had spent an awful lot of money on players, and it was as though, you know, what I mean, we've got to feel like we've got to give the money that shows me, you know, what I mean, and that get the supporters on our side and all this. Great, but it probably wasn't spent in the wisest manner. So basically, the first thing to me I do when I go into a situation of that nature, I had it at Carlisle, I had it at Northampton, um, was get a backbone and let's get back into like a winning habit and let's be people give a bit more respect to you as a team and Oxford United as a team that hasn't been there for how long. We can be a bit like a whipping boy club. Um, and you've got to have a backbone and we set about really trying to set the backbone up as much as anything and so before we didn't have masses of money but we set about with people like Andy Crosby who cost nothing, terrific I knew I was going to play three centre-halves because um, it was easy to play that with less resources knowing that if you got three decent centre-halves in the middle the ball came in the box, especially in the lower leagues you know you've got someone to go and head it out it's as simple as that um, and, but basically, just tried to be became hard to beat, um, and let's get a bit of respect again for the club, and people know that they've been in the game. I mean, we're not just going to come here to Oxford and beat us. If you're going to beat us, you're going to have to work hard to go and do it. So we really that we initially to to set about that, and let's get a bit of um, a, a bit of a life back in the club, but also a bit of respect from your opponents as well. Yeah, and obviously. Results did improve. Uh, you stayed up um, in that sort of first season. Um, the next season was was quite a fun one. It seemed quite at the start of that. I think was the uh, was the Charlton v Cup game. I believe that a win on penalties. I mean, I I don't know. People who are older than me will tell me, but it didn't seem like Oxford had, had a, a night like that for for a number of years. Really, um, tell me your sort of uh, memories. I want to know about the cup runs. Firstly, that the cup game at the Valley. The, the one at the Valley was like Alan Kerbyshire was the manager and Mervyn Day was his assistant. And we'd obviously had, I, I always, to the day, I always remember, obviously, you've watched Charlton. But I'd spoke to a lot of people. And although they were the first division club or the, the Premier Club, uh, people had said to me, well, Kerbs, whatever team whoever's playing against will always match you up. And I said, yeah, but we're Oxford in the second division. He'll match you up and he'll change his system. Which suited us, believe it or not. And on that night, they did. And um, basically, it was like a, it was a stalemate game. But we did have a couple of great chances. I mean, Jefferson Lewis, I think, going in. And we, we had some good chances on the night. And to be fair, to make the game as difficult as we could for Charlton, I don't think if you tried it again now, you probably wouldn't work. I mean, the lads were fantastic. Um, and the longer it goes on then, the more belief we get, the stronger we become mentally. You get into extra time. Same again. And you think, well, penalties now, it's, it's it can be anybody's. And if I remember right, did it go to about nine, eight penalties or something of that nature? It went to quite a, a large tally. And I think that was a game really that, Everybody sat up as well uh, outside Oxford and thought, oh, Oxford are on the way back. 
and sometimes it needs a game of that nature because the whole media sector's looking at you and it made the big news again, you know what I mean? All second division Oxford, giant killers, you know what I mean? Well, obviously 10 years before they went giant killers because they were in the first division, but now we are. But it gives you a bit of credibility and as a football club, hopefully it'll push you forward a little bit and give you people a bit more respect. So um, that was a terrific night. I mean, to go away to a premiership club and to get a nil-nil draw was fantastic. But to win overall, um, even after extra time and penalties, was, was, was terrific. The lads were absolutely magnificent. I was going to ask a question about some players that had um, either left or were injured uh, next year. But actually, I think while we're talking about cup games, I'm going to let James ask it because he wants to ask it. Go on, James, the next one. Well, you know where I'm going to go here. Um, so, FA Cup first round draw, Oxford United against Swindon. Yeah. What are you thinking? When you see Oxford United be Swindon at that point, do you know what that means? Probably not at the time, but then I, then I got to realise it with people going, you know what I mean, saying as it was. I knew there was, there was the location of it, but probably didn't realise the actual rivalry of it. Do you know what I mean? And obviously then it became live on the telly, didn't it? Which made it even more special because what it does it projects the club forward even more. You know what I mean? Now we're starting to get from Charlton with the League Cup. Now in this, we're on the, we're on the national telly against Oxford United, and um, I always remember as we went on realizing I had a lot of letters as well from people like Blenheim. Is it Blenheim Palace? Was all around the people all that to say good luck and all that, and even when we'd won, like the letters were coming in. Fantastic! Never mind what happens this season. We've done it. We've done this and that. Um, it was it was a, it was a special day, and I remember going. To, was it Andy King was manager? He's passed away of Swindon. I think Andy was uh, bless his soul. He's passed away. He was manager, and I, I remember we set out again. We said we'll go. We'll, Swindon were in the division above, and they weren't a bad side. And I think they were near the top of the league. And I always remember saying, well, we'll set out as a five, but we'll keep our full-backs in and we'll burn them out. Because I know what Andy's like as well. He gets a bit flamboyant and a bit trappy at times, like, you know what I mean? And we'll just, as we are, and if I remember right, even on the telly, they'd say, well, Oxford at the moment have kept that flat five in. Are they going to go forward? And we started to reach the full-backs a little bit. Um, and we came into a lot more in the second half. But then, um, was it Jefferson who got the winner? Was it? it was a uh, well. It, does, does Jefferson get the goal? It's it's him and Bash combined, isn't it? Really? Yeah, but what he like to be fair? Yeah, I mean, so anyway, we you end up winning, and I mean, it was for the supporters and everybody, and going upstairs and the corporate like you, it, it was incredible because, as I said before, you knew the rivalry, but you didn't know the intensity of it as it was. You know what I mean? And, and to beat your rivals on the who are a division above on the telly, cup draws come in as well. Um, at the time, it was that was live on the telly as well. I think that was when Jefferson's dancing about the dressing room, and it comes out Arsenal away, and um, it was a, it was a great draw for the supporters and a fantastic for the players as well to go and say playing against the best teams in the country at the moment, which was Arsenal, um, and you're playing at Highbury, and you end up with it in, in terms of full house. I think what I did as well that year. As much as anything, although I didn't have money to play with as such, I never spent a penny while I was there. But what it did is it really put a lot of money into the the football club. It was Arsenal in the FA Cup, as you said. Like you know, they were. I think they were the champions. Then I think they'd won the FA 
Cup the season before. They were obviously going to win it that season. I mean, well, it, there's so many things to talk about for this for this game. First one is, should Oxford have gone 1-0 up inside three minutes? I think we had a couple of chances, didn't we? And I'm trying to think of the chance that you're on about there. Was it, was it Scotty, no? I, remember, I remember Scotty I think, having one second half running through. It was Bash. So. Oh, Bash. Do you know, I'm sure you I remember Andy's when we were 1-0 down. I always say when you're playing uh, the top clubs and you're obviously at Division 2, Division 1, um, and I've been looking up over the period of years at Northampton to beat West Ham and things of that nature when they were a Premier Club, is you only you only get one or two chances. The rest of it, you've got to try and stay as solid as you can. And I, I, Arsene Wenger, I think, knew that because two years prior to that, when I was at Carlisle, um, Arsenal came to Carlisle in the FA Cup, the third round. And cool, we didn't have to give them a game. They beat us 1-0. But we could easily have sneaked a draw. And then, like, Oxford near the bottom of the, the second division because, as I said before, we, sorry, Carlisle were near the bottom of the second division. We're going up. Um, and he, I knew he chose the respect that we deserved. And um, was it Scotty McNiven? It was an own goal of Scotty, something. Scotty went in and uh, I thought we, we did ourselves proud on the day again. I mean, it's one of those. If you, you go out and you go and try and take Arsenal on, you'll have the floor what with you. get boots seven or eight in the hill. Everybody gets deflated. And you know what I mean? He, what, what's the point? So you set, we, set, we set our stall out. We set our stall out quite well to be difficult to beat with the hope that we can get a couple of chances. Um, probably the second goal kills you off as much as anything. Then, you know, once they get the second goal, then if you're not careful, it could go to three, four, five, because that's generally what happens. You lose a bit of shape and a bit of discipline. But we didn't, and we kept plugging away. And I said before, I can't remember Bash's chance, but I can remember Scotty's. So I remember Scotty having one in the second half thinking, Go on, here's your chance. I think he was going through one on one and someone caught him up. So um, it was a good day. In the end of the day, I mean, the, the, the tie itself with revenue was about half a million for the club. Um, again, on the back of Villa, Reading, Cholton. I mean, we, we in terms of revenue, we brought a lot into the football club for our cup runs, basically, which um, obviously was the delight of Mr. Kassam. <laughs> I was going to ask next, Ian, about again about some players at different times, but I think what what we'll probably do is sort of maybe clump it together after we've sort of gone yeah. through the seasons, because actually this season was was really enjoyable for me personally. I was uh, I had the, the great opportunity of working with Chris Williams at the club, but yes. um, it, it was my first full time job out of college, and, and 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 you were brilliant. You treated me. I was only nineteen. You treated me as you would do any of the other sort of journalists around at the time. Um, and it was it was an enjoyable ride, I must say. And we 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 went to the places like you've mentioned and and and, and got results when we weren't expecting it. And we gave it a right good go that season. I remember being there behind the dugout on the last game of the season against York. We needed to win do our bit and hope that we needed Torquay to win at Lincoln. That was it. Do you remember he took a penalty for Torquay and uh, tried to chip it down the middle and uh, and was clever with Torquay one nil up? Do you remember? No, can't remember that. I can remember the York game and I can remember really feeling it was a good year. But from my point of view, I was gutted not to get to the because of your um, because of your, your determination, your desire to, to to win games and push on as quickly as we could. I, I remember being. Disappointed that we didn't get to the playoffs there, but overall looking at it, then we hadn't done bad compared to where the club was. But I said it's 
he did put us on a stronger foundation of of, of getting a winning, a bit more of a winning mentality around us, but also a mentality of, you know, I mean, we're, we're going to be very difficult to play against and also very difficult to beat, which I think you have to do when a club's been going downhill for four or five years and the results haven't been going their way and defeat has been part of the norm. So really just get that respectability. And, we, and I think we did that year and we, we made a good fist of it, even though I do remember being as you probably remember, be disappointed at the end that we didn't actually make the playoffs. It, it was disappointing. Alex Russell, by the way, is the player for uh, Torquay that tried to take a clever penalty. Simon Yeo scored an absolute screamer for Lincoln to draw one all. And that Lincoln team under Keith Alexander, they were a, they were a decent team as well. But we won there, didn't we? Do you remember going there and winning at, around Easter time towards the end of the season? And uh, and Lincoln ended up in the playoffs in the end. I don't remember that, but if I remember right, did we go there the first game of the season? Season um, after, the yeah, Derek Townsley, um, and and we 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 ended up winning there, uh, one 0 John, I remember right, John Ashton making his debut, who we took on their really hot day. Uh, I think they had a man sent off as well, Lincoln, if I remember right. Um, I remember going there and winning one 0 I don't remember the previous one. It was a, I mean, the, yeah, going into the the next season then, and um, an unbelievable start. Um, you know unbeaten for a number of games and uh, and top at, at Christmas, I seem to recall, or certainly in the, in the top two or three. I think what we did that year, I mean, again, a little bit in my disappointment, but also to try and keep on top of everybody. Um, and obviously, hopefully, we, we, we made one or two little changes so before we didn't have any money to spend, but we got the best out of what we could. Um, and all through the summer there, the players were entitled to about three weeks off anyway, or two weeks off pre-contract. But everybody came in, I think they had a week off. Uh, and I had them in three days a week. We had a Monday, Wednesday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And I basically did it because generally, if you've got, again, thinking ahead of the small squad as such, the, if we just keep on top of ourselves rather than come back £3, £4 overweight in pre-season, which at the time was a norm, and everybody would say, well, you've got three pounds to burn off. You know what I mean? That was that was pre-season. Um, and pick up injuries in pre-season. Let, well, I'm going to go this route, which I did at Northampton as well. And we were in three days a week. Um, if I remember right, the physio was at Neil. The physio was at Neil. We had, we had in pre-season four minor injuries once the pre-season actually started with games, everything as well. And I think if you look at the, the, the team then that, Stayed the course for a long time. We we didn't have any injuries, and I put that down to the good planning that we did um, in pre-season. We came in; they didn't work, do stupid things, but they did a lot of stretching, a lot of head tennis, a lot of ball work, just opening grinds. And when they came into the pre-season, to the hard, there's so a bit more the running side of it. Um, everybody was like on a on a on a level platform as well do you know what I mean and we could move on and we did and we had a really good pre-season um, and we had a great start to the season and so before the team a lot of it picked itself at that time probably wanted probably one more goal scorer which I knew anyway that we needed um, but the, the, the again the, the, the structure of the side um, was very very good um, and I was we weren't a problem with that one um, I just remember having a terrific start. Um, Ian, I'll, I'll jump in with the start. I think you were top still, maybe at the start of January. Um, 
at that point, Hull were one of the teams near the top with you. Um, and it, it's kind of gone down almost a little bit. I don't really want to say in folklore, but that you played away at Hull in mid-January and both teams, I think, were in the top three of the, the table um, when obviously it was three to go up automatically. It kind of feels like now that that game was almost the turning point when both clubs sort of went separate ways. What do you remember? I remember leading up to that because our only defeat was Doncaster away, if I remember right, when Dave Penny was in charge. Yeah. Um, and I think throughout the season, you always, as clubs always have spells where they don't win the games or that they maybe should have. And you're always going to have a spell where you'll win one out of six, one out of seven. But we weren't losing, but we'd drawn a few games. And I think people got a bit critical at that time as well because of where we, you know I mean, we were, we got stay, blah, blah, blah. Um, and it was just a bit of a strange period. I remember going for the, the striker at Portsmouth. Um, he was going to tell me the name in a minute. I've lost, forgot his name again. Um and I'd sorted it out with Harry Redknapp and Smithy, Jim Smith, to be fair. And Feroz had said he'd give me about £1,500 a week for a striker. Um, got it all sorted. Then right at the last minute, he pulled the plug on it. Um, it got me unsettled a little bit at, the, at that time as well because my contract was up at the end of the season. Um, and which I think people became aware of it and first, I had Ron Martin, who's now at South End still, when they were South End were in that division. He'd been in touch with me. Um, and then Bristol Rovers had been in touch with me. And then Swans had been in touch with me um, before the new stadium came in. And it probably did unsettle me a little bit as well. I, was, I wasn't sure about the contract. Looking back, probably, I should have just blanked all that out and gone. But there was, you know what I mean? There was, there was noises behind and maybe I didn't handle that as particularly well as what I should have done and stayed that bit more focused. But what were you going to do at the end of the year? Was he going to give you a contract for us? Was he not? I thought, you know what I mean? And for the work that we'd done and the amount of money that he brought into the club with the successful cup runs in a short period of time, how he'd gone on, uh, you know what I mean? You think, well, come on, look after me. And he never did. Um, I don't always look at Faraz and say, well, I'll blame you, Faraz. He had people around him as well who were quite, uh, I could say, a little bit vocal and give him or spoke and give advice that possibly I didn't think was great advice. I, I used to go with Faraz who said uh, he never used to go to the games. I had I had a good relationship with Faraz, by the way, and there was no issue. So then we'd have, maybe have an away game and we'd, we may have drawn or we may have won. And uh, you come in on a Monday and he'd always sit down for us, always go talk about the game. And he'd usually say, well, you know, but I hear we didn't play very well. On <laughs> Saturday, we won the game, like. And uh, uh, to be fair, he respected you as well. I said, for us, how can you comment? You were never there. <laughs> I used to shut him up and he used to have a big grin on his face and we'd move on, do you know what I mean? So I had a reasonable relationship, but I, I had these clubs in and in the end, no... No one come out, whether it was Bill Smith or him, and said about the contract at the end of the year. Um, whether it was because I had the, the the actual contract itself or financially wasn't great. I'll tell you that now. The bonuses were quite good and the bonuses to get up were quite big as well. 
And I always wonder, I'm not sure he wanted to pay that money as a bonus if we get promoted. A few other people have told me that as well, by the way. Whether it's true, I don't know. So anyway, we had South End and then we had Bristol Rovers and, and basically they'd run me on Bristol Rovers and honestly, it was a ridiculous offer they put to me. Um, but I did actually say to them at that time, look, and it'd be around about the January, February, the, I want to finish my job off at Oxford. I've worked exceptionally hard. If I'm going to take over, I'll take over at the end of the season in June. That was what I'd said to them. There's no problem. Bristol Rovers then started to drop down the league and became, I think Phil Bates was manager, and they become perilously close to the bottom. And what happened is uh, Jeff Dunford laid it out on his website, I was joining the club in June. And that's basically how then you went on gardening leave. Prior to that, it wasn't all rosy because I, I thought they'd come out and do contract. I wasn't happy that I couldn't get the striker. Who's the striker? You're going to help me out here, lads, in a minute from Portsmouth. Oh God! We, 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 we were discussing between us. It, it, Rowan Vine is that? Is no, that it wasn't Vine. I, I ended up. I ended up having. I didn't have the striker once. I'll tell you his name in a minute. He works for the FA at the moment. To be fair, um, I ended up getting the lad from Lincoln. Who, uh, sorry, from Carlisle, who'd been half injured, and I should have just done nothing rather than bringing in. Because people say, "Well, you bought him in." I didn't really want to bring him in, but I bought him in basically because I couldn't get the one I wanted. And he was injured anyway. I can't remember his name. He went on to manage Motherwell in Scotland. Um, and I didn't get the striker I wanted. I think that probably unsettled me a little bit as well. Uh, but we were still on course. I mean, regardless of whether we didn't have a striker or not, we were still very difficult to beat. We were still on course. Yeah, we had a little bit of a sticky run. But I remember them, I think we beat Cheltenham in, in the midweek as well to... Uh, before I left on the on the Friday, we got Mansfield on the Saturday. Um, we would have gone up that year. I've no shadow because, I, again, I was used to actually, or you've been in teams or you've managed teams. Uh, I've had these sticky ones, but stick to what you're good at. Stick to what you are. It will just turn again, no problem. Um, but you always felt at Oxford, as I said before, that, that, that was... There's this this thing of it ten years ago. Do you know what I mean? Oh, there was like a pressure. We've got to get it. We, we and quite rightly so, to be fair, because it's it's a great club. Um, and ten years before they were in the first division, so it, it was just that's how I actually left the club. And I went out on gardening leave, and they put me on gardening leave as such. But I'm just trying to get this striker from Portsmouth. They got to help me out, lads. I can't believe you can't help me out on this one. We'll have to do some. Uh, we'll have to do we'll some research. So that, that basically what it was. Um, I, I said before, I, I thought we would have, and so did the players. I think when I left, the players were gutted. I mean, Paul McCarthy, I remember Paul Ringley since passed away as well. Do you know what I mean? All of them did. Um, and I think when I left, it did deflate the, the players a little bit as well. Do you know what I mean? Because of, A, you bought them in. We had a good structure. And unfortunately for the club then, they not only did they drop out of the top two, but they ended up not getting into the playoff situation anyway. Was it Lee Bradbury? Lee Bradbury, you've got me here. Yeah, someone's helped you out on that one. It was Lee no, it's Bradbury. me. <laughs> it was Lee Bradbury who I'd sorted out, and it was I got him for fifteen hundred pound a week. He was on quite a lot more than that, but Smithy and Harry helped me out. I remember going down to Portsmouth to see the reserve game, Portsmouth play, um, and he wanted to come. Lee, I got it all sorted. Um, and I thought he would be the one because he was mobile. He'd go in behind, he'd come short. And he was, he, he'd got quality to go with people like Steve Basham. 
around as well. You know what I mean? We've got a bit of quality, but we're still getting really over the broken leg. He received at Preston probably 18 months before, which probably stopped him becoming a top, 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 top player, which everybody thought he was going to be. Um, but he was Lee Bradbury, but then obviously I went back and just they, they pulled the plug on it, basically. It was saying you've only got £750 to spend. But you told me I got if you'd, if you'd um, had that money to spend in the January, was that the turning point for you? Because, like you say, there were other jobs you were linked with. It's almost a double-barrel question, this. it's it's Was that January crucial? And, and you know, how close were you to taking another job before Rovers came oh, on? Oh, no, no, all. I wasn't even interested. These people got in touch with me. Hmm. I didn't I didn't seek anything. I was quite happy at Oxford. And when I said to, I said to everybody, I, I, I want, you know what I mean, I want to finish my job off. Why would I want to not, why would I want to leave Oxford, even though we'd had a couple of, let's say, results that, People didn't quite like and people say, Oh, you don't play this way, you don't play our way, you don't play this way. We didn't have the Houghtons of this world, they were fantastic players. We were actually United, who'd never spent a penny, moulded the team together, lost one out of 31, and we're top of the league. And if we'd have gone up to the next division, I'm sure we would have done well in that as well, because I think the, the bit more football was going to be played. We could have played a little bit more, but we could also suck people in, like when I was at Northampton as manager. So, with Bradbury, he would have been that bit of a little bit more quality and the extra striker that we had. You know what I mean? That I think would have took us to another level. And as it was, I didn't get him. And I had the lad from Carlisle who really worked hard, but wasn't quite up to it, to be fair. But he was a body. And in the end, I'm saying, well, we're top of the league at Oxford. I'd be allowed a body to come in to complement the squad. Well, I didn't want a body to come in. I wanted Lee Bradbury. He wasn't breaking the bank, by all means. And that was the agreement that I'd made prior to me going to Jim Smith and, and Harry. And they agreed with what I put to them. Fine. No problem. Then we had it pulled away from us. So I wouldn't say it was ultimately cost this or that. But I'm sure a, a player of Lee Bradbury's quality at the time would have lifted the players as well. And I think it would have lifted the crowd in as well. I mean, it would have given them a bit of, oh, we mean business here. And it didn't happen. I, um, I spoke to Chris Williams um, a couple of weeks ago. And um, and Chris um, and Chris said, I'm, I hope he doesn't mind me saying this, he, he, he said that you singly sort of taught him and showed him how a football club should be run. Because at the time when you came in, in 2001, you know, it may well have been that we were in this new stadium, but the club was going to the wall. There were some real issues there. There was money that was being spent that should never have been spent. Um, there was there was a lot of uh, anxiety, and, and we weren't winning games. We weren't, you know, we we, we were in a really bad bad state. Did, did how do you take that? What, what what do you think? What do you think Chris means in terms of taught taught him what what how a football club should be run? Going back to that prior, I think what happened with Faraz, to my mind, is. Uh, he, he spent an awful lot of money on moods, you know, in ridiculous ways. He spent it was about 600 grand, didn't he? He spent a lot, a fair bit of money, to be fair, to get relegated. And I think what happened is, I obviously then, you, you come into Oxford as such, and Faraz gives you the job. But I, I think Faraz, and not really been a football man, but coming in, and I think he lost a lot of faith in a lot of things and a lot of trust in people. And I can understand that. Because if you're going to spend all this kind of money and you, you know, I mean, you manage at this level, that level, but yeah, but is, is there a meaning to it? I think what Chris really means, I've 
you, you were lucky enough that you you learned your trade in the lower leagues, and and again you you had to you do it. You've got now this modern day sporting director, um, whatever the people say, and I'm thinking, well, what what is it? I mean, because suddenly I've had to go and you've helped with budgets, you've helped on football clubs, you've helped the administrator at Northampton. You've done so many different jobs along the way that basically adds up to being a sporting director now. But you've had the knowledge and experience of how to work a football club. Um, and going into Oxford, it didn't faze me because you, you knew the potential of the place. Possibly didn't realise the amount of pressure that was there because of where the club was 10 years before until I actually got going into it, into Oxford. Where the Northamptons of this world, just to survive in that division, they were happy. Carlisle had Michael Knight, and there was problems. We were, this is Oxford United we're talking of here. You know what I mean? And I said, been in the Premiership ten years before, winning trophies and everything. And the, and with that became pressure. And I felt that as we went on. But hopefully, you you think that the knowledge um, that you had and built up you took into Oxford and when people like Chris asked you questions, then you'd give them what I call an honest answer. Um, and hopefully, it's nice when we say, you've helped him on his way. Do you know what I mean? That's probably probably the other lad, Chris Williams as well, who was then in the office. Chris Wilkins, who was in the office. Was it Chris, Wil- Chris Wilkins, yeah. Yeah, Chris, who then was selling tickets. And because we didn't have any recruitment at Oxford, I didn't have any scouts, didn't have anything. You had to do it all yourself. I got Chris involved in the recruitment process at Oxford. He used to go out and watch games for me as well as do his tickets. Now, looking back now, and when I speak to him now, you, you've started him on the ladder. Now he's working at Liverpool. He deals with a lot of the seniors and whatever. And he's got a fantastic job working with a club that's going to European finals. It all started at Oxford for him as well. So you give along your way, you've hopefully helped people and give them the opportunity. But Going back to Chris, I've, I've just, you'd, you'd learn so many skills at different clubs of clubs of doing quite well, but clubs in financial difficulty, how to run a football club. But also, I think, have the composure to do it as well, where everybody else will maybe panicking around you, uh, especially when the club was at the bottom. Um, to, you know what I mean? To have, be focused, be strong. Um, we took a lot on the chin, a little bit as well, especially for the local lads. You know what I mean? I mean, people even like Pauly. You know what I mean? I, I've, I had it at Bristol as well. I had it at Oxford with the lad Martin Aldridge, who, bless his soul, he's passed away as well. And um, Pauly was a great lad, you know what I mean? Local hero and everything. And you tried to help him as much as you can. Dean Whitehead, you know what I mean? Dean suddenly goes a good move. And I had to do, uh, I've seen Dean a few times when I started to work at Sunderland and, I could see the potential in Dean Whitehead when I came in. What Dean Whitehead was, he, he lived very close to Pauli. And Pauli, Dean used to bring Pauli in every day into training. But what Pauli liked to do was go home early after training. And then Dean would have to go with him because Pauli would influence Dean. So what I did is I'd recognise this and I'd like said to Dean, you're training in the afternoon. Well, oh, I mean, Pauli, oh, I've got to go home, I've got to go home. Dean, now you're training. Oh, Dean, I think hated me at the time for doing it. But I did it basically to make him be his own man and just to split a little bit from 
Paulie. You know what I mean? So hold on a minute. Yeah, okay, you've got to take Paulie home or vice versa, but what about your career? You're going to lose something here. And we used to have him in the afternoons and he, you know what I mean? Dino was a quiet one. But you could see in his head he was seething. And then I know he'd say, he'd say to people, oh, boy, you know, he's got me and he's got me doing this. He's blah, 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 blah. But it didn't do him any harm. And then when people like Sunderland come in for you and Mick McCarthy come in for you and everything. And I'd seen Dean when I was at Sunderland. And then the first thing he says, well, yeah, I mean, appreciate what you did at the time. I didn't. <laughs> so hopefully, yeah, along the way, you, you've, you've helped people as well, which really has been me, part of me, really. Like, you know what I mean? If, if I could help uh, anybody any, in anything, whether it be the commercial side of the club or football from the experiences I've gained, then I would. You mentioned Pauli, which, which I'm grateful for, because he was in, in the next bracket of question, because you, you had three or four real crowd favourites, a couple of local lads yeah. involved. Paul Moody, let's just quickly start with him. Obviously, he, he'd been re-signed the summer before and and he went before the start of your, your first full season. Um, what was behind that? I mean, I, I can imagine it was, it was a tough one, but a decision had to be made. I think with Moods, I think you're going back, Moods was one of those and he was, he was on huge, huge money. And that was the only reason behind that. Moods was a good lad. Uh, you know what I mean? All of them, I thought, were good lads, but Moods... Very unassuming, very quiet. If he wanted to really put himself about, he could have been anything he wanted to be. Um, but he was on a huge amount of money. And if I remember right, it was the financial side of it as much as anything, why Moods had to go. Um, possibly not because he wanted him to go. Um, still trying to think 100% that I've got that correct. But looking back for what Moods was one of those who was on so an awful lot of money. Joey Beecham retired in that summer as well. His last ever game, his last was a, was a great goal against Exeter. Correct me if I'm wrong though, I seem to remember he was obviously a lot of injections for the for the, for the, for the toe injuries and, and so forth. I can't remember if he was out of contract or he had to end a contract. You, you might remember it better than me. I think, I think again, I've got a little, I think he may have been out of contract, but with Joey, uh, he was like an arthritic toe. He was like the big toe as well. Where he'd had an awful, must have had an awful lot of injections in his his, his playing career into it, um, and he, I'm sure he'd had an operation on that as well to try and actually fix it, and it hadn't turned out, um, and he just couldn't handle it. You know what I mean? The, the the toe or the irritation of the toe was so strong that and so painful that he, he was never the player he was prior to leaving Oxford, going to West Ham first, then Swindon. And I just think that all caught up with him, but that, I always remember that being his big toe. Um, and he, he had an, an awful lot of injections into it. And had to have injections to play when he played. And, and finally, just with regards to some players, um, Jamie Brooks, um, obviously a player that you put a lot of faith in, actually. He played a lot under you. Um, the the story is, and he's been on other podcasts where he, he said that he, he was, he felt awful after that last game of the season he scored he picked up all the accolades player of the year players player etc um, and then literally felt awful when he got home and then and then that was it and again something else that you had to deal with in that summer because obviously that was a very very serious situation uh, it was I mean Jamie Jamie to me could have been anything I mean he was so quick he was so sharp we got to the last game and prior to that 
Um, Arsene Wenger had rang me uh, from Arsenal. We They were quite clever at Arsenal. We played a friendly game probably maybe six weeks before the end of the season, um, reserve side, and Jamie had played in that as well. And there were a Wenger, obviously, it was to look at Jamie. So anyway, Wenger had rang me um, and basically just said, look, um, can we have Jamie down? Um, it won't be to trial. Nothing of that nature. We want to take him. Um, but what they did at Arsenal is they, they put measurements. And I don't know if I've, I've never done it in my career or, or have known as a physio. They may do it now of measuring how tall you may be in four years time, body mass, everything of that nature. Um, so I said, no problem. No problem whatsoever. So basically it said to Jamie, look, off you go. You're going to Arsenal next week. If you want to go, do you want to go? Great. Blah, blah, blah. Fantastic. I can't remember who rung me on the, the Sunday morning and said, well, Jamie's not been very well, but we've got to keep it quiet. I said, well, what is it? And then someone mentioned like the Bill and God, just his body had shut down. Said, well, where is he? He's in hospital. Um, no one really was to know. And I think, I think maybe John then picked it up a day later. People started to pick it up and I couldn't say anything. I just said, no, I don't know. Do you know what I mean? I've not a clue what it was. And, I remember going to see Jamie myself uh, in hospital and basically just lying there and his eyes were moving and I always remember him telling me a story afterwards that he's he just lying there, his eyes were there and there's a wasp flying about on his nose somewhere and he just couldn't do nothing about it. Um, it, was, it was tragic for him. It was absolutely tragic. And I, I don't know how, how do these things occur. I don't know. I mean, it's a nervous complaint. I, I, I generally don't know, but I was so gutted for Jamie because he was assigned for Arsenal. And if he was assigned for Arsenal, I believed he would have been a big player. I just gutted for him. And I, I, it was a hard one to handle, you know what I mean? Because, it's, again, you, how do you handle it? You get thrust of these things. I'd, to be fair, the, 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 the second day of my ever managerial career when I was at, at, at Colchester was similar kind of thing but even a disaster where one of the players parents had set fire to themselves you know what I mean and the family wouldn't tell the player but I had to like a second day of my managerial career and it was like and things of this nature you stick with you then the Jamie thing so I've, I've had a couple in my career to be fair where um, you're looking back you think well how did you handle it Jamie, Jamie was because he was a special character as well by the way and he was an absolute diamond. And I said before, I've got no hesitation in saying that he could easily and possibly play for England. No shedder. And it was just tragic. And possibly people say, look at the draw. I don't know. But what a lovely kid as well. And I have kept in touch with him a few times as well since. Um, and I know he goes on the social media things and that nature. I'll pick his things up as well. Um, lovely kid. I'm glad he's got back on track a little bit, but you do look back and think what could have been. And I, I suppose he does as well, by the way. Well, sort of start to wrap up, Ian, because, you know, we've taken so much of your time already. I, no, I, did, want to, uh, <laughs> I did want to um, go on a couple of post, post-United things. Obviously, you went to Bristol Rovers um, after United. Um, do you remember what it was like um, 
at the first the first game against United for Bristol Rovers at Memorial Stadium. I think United fans were giving you a bit of bit of grief, weren't they, in the in the stands? Do you remember that? I, I, I remember coming back. And we lost three two, I think, at Oxford, and I, I know the I come in the game. I mean, I, I can understand that as well, by the way, Jeremy, because we're where we were in the league. Um, but against, like, when when you actually have a football club, um, people sometimes don't realise why you've left. And because of your contract, you can't say a word. It's legal. So six months passes, then you can say something, but no one's bothered. So wherever from the football class, club says something within them six months, you can't answer it unless you have a legal binding thing going on, you know what I mean? And uh, it, it, as a manager, and just with other people, by the way, I've known other managers, like people who've been in manager, will say, you know, that's not the true story. But I'll tell you what the true story is when we get the opportunity, like, you know what I mean? But, well, then no one's interested. So, yeah, I can. And I can, I, hey, to be fair, you, you understand it as well. But I hope a lot of the people, even going back from that era, understand what, we were up against and what was up against we didn't spend a penny we dropped the wage bill by 900 people like Dean White went on and went and played for Sunderland um, we built a very good team and I, I'm, I'm, still, I'm still convinced now with that striker we would have got promoted or even without the striker it wasn't the B um, I said before Bristol Rovers great club but should never have gone there <laughs> simple punters are good as gold Good set of supporters as well, a bit like Oxford, a bit hardy. Probably deserved to be a, a championship club as well, like you know, but it was the wrong move. That, the sort of successful managerial career uh, ended, and then you went into sort of scouting for some, some really huge clubs. One I'm, I'm sort of dying to know about, I'm sure you must have stories. When you're at Sunderland, I think it coincided with Roy Keane being there. What I think you were head of, were you head of European scouting or something at Sunderland? What, what was that like? Yeah, well, what I did, did got on is Mike Bates has asked me to go to Torquay to keep them up that one year, which we did. And it was fantastic. I don't think we won five, drew one. And I, I just go to help him, basically. Then he offered me the job and I didn't really want it. I'm brutally honest. So anyhow, but you knew some, a new owner might come in. Anyway, I, I've made me my time. I, I'd always wanted to go abroad and I wanted to learn about, you know what I mean, look at different kinds of football and everything. I was still the, probably the, the younger age. Um... And when I left Torquay, Mick Brown, who was Ron, Mick Brown, who was Oxford, who was Ron Atkinson's assistant at Man United and players like that, West Brom, um, ran me up and said, look, we're looking to get a European side going at Sunderland. Would you be interested? Uh, initially, it would be for a couple of months, say you like it, and then we can take it there, but there'll be something there. Uh, and I thought, God, fantastic. Couldn't believe my luck at the time. Sunderland then just got promoted. Roy was obviously in charge, Roy Keane at Sunderland. Um, I thought I might have a little problem with Roy initially because when I was at Cambridge, I had Roy's brother over and we didn't sign him. Um, whatever, I can't remember his name. He was at Birmingham when I was at Birmingham, we came over. Uh, but Roy was fine, just just get on with it, like you know what I mean. And what I, what I did then was at Sunderland, I'd from scratch, they didn't have anything, they just got promoted to the Premier League. Um, through contacts as well, I set up a whole European network up for them, um, put people in different countries, um, people, some that are new, some that have been recommended. Um, I just said to my son, look, it'll be three years before you really get it going, but we, we try and build up all the information. But I'd expect to have successes along the way, do you know what I mean? So 
Um, it, it was brilliant. I mean, then I started to hit the journey on Germany, the Bundesliga, and watching all the Champions League games, and basically going all, suddenly setting off, going all through the Europe, into the Croatias, the Balkans. Um, Steve Bruce took over a few years after Roy. Um, went in South America, went to Venezuela, Paraguay, uh, all over the place, looking at talent to bring back, and it was a terrific experience. And I always look back thinking I wish now I was 40 with the experience. I've just had abroad and your contacts as well. I've met some great people uh, abroad. Can go into the majority of any clubs I want to with the people that I've known, whether it be Bayern Munich, whether it be into Milan's, anything of this now, you know what I mean? PSG, um, watch them train, got the facilities, if I want tickets, not a problem. And so along the way, we've with a, with a pool of scouts that we had and I, I looked after them and my job was Europe um, you went from Sunderland to Everton it's exactly the same thing where you headed it all up and I said before we've uh, we put some decent players forward and recommended a lot of players frustrating thing sometimes is that you don't they don't always sign the players that you recommend but if they don't you just get on and move on but always mark it down and keep a, a little sheet there of who was recommended if anybody ever came back. But uh, it, honestly, it's been, it's been a fantastic experience. Absolutely brilliant. But again, with people like, same what I did at Oxford, whether it be Carlisle or Northampton, I didn't play it, I worked at it. Um, and I worked at it basically, I worked for the football club. I didn't even get involved in any of the other little scouts that were flying abroad and wanted to pick your brains and everything. And you just, you would focus on basically the, your club as such. That's yeah, you had a fantastic career, player, manager, scout, all over Europe, and and it's been really amazing to hear about it. All uh, obviously, especially the time at Oxford, but but either side as well. Uh, Ian Atkins, it's been a real pleasure to to talk to you, and thank you for being so generous with your time. Yeah, no problem, any time. But I've said before, it's nice because when you're they said before when you're at football clubs, people don't. Actually, you leave, but they don't know why and they don't know circumstances why at times. You, you don't have enough time to to really bring everything out. But sometimes it gives people a little bit more of an indication of you as a person um, and how you had to handle things there, how you had to handle people there and the finances that you maybe had. And then people maybe look back and think, well, we didn't do bad compared to where we were. And you know what I mean? And with the financial difficulties as well and, so we thought I got on with Oxford. I loved every minute of it. I got on brilliant with Faraz. Couldn't you know saying that one or two people behind who Faraz basically took too much notice of. They caused me to be a little bit unsettled more than anything. But it's to look out for the results. Uh, we do a lot of one-to-one with at the moment. We've had a couple of the lads from Oxford down as well. who are now joined the academy. So um, we've still got a little bit of finger on the pulse here. Thank you for listening to Behind the Badge. Stay across our social media platforms for our next podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Behind the underscore Badge, or if you want to email us, it's Behind the Badge 1893 at gmail.com.